Welcome to First and Fifteen, the show that takes you around the UK flag football scene. Sponsored by Nuola, your customised sportswear supplier. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of First and Fifteen podcast where we will be covering off the SWC division. I'm your host Lewis Phillips and as ever I am joined by my co-hosts uh, Jay Ballamy and Gareth Price. Welcome gentlemen. Hi Lewis, how you doing? Very good, very good. Gareth, how are you? Yeah, not bad. Thanks, Lewis. How are you? How wonderful was it, boys, to have football back this weekend? Oh, fantastic. It was it was like a little festival down in Reading of people that just enjoyed football. It was it was great. And as as I predicted, the weather was just about fine. I think I said glorious quite a lot on the podcast. It wasn't quite <laughs> glorious, but um it was windy. But the rain held off. So Did did we have do we have sunshine in, in Reading, Jay? We did. I slapped the uh, factor fifty on after about twenty minutes, so it was it was genuinely that sunny, um, and I did have a little bit of sunburn after that as well. So uh, yeah, it was glorious. I think you had must have had the best of the weather. It tried to rain early on in Exeter, uh, but largely held off. And yeah, we did get a little bit of sunshine for the last game. So I, I reckon you can put that as a up as a as a success, Gareth. I'm gonna uh, sunny is a bit of a stretch, but um, but fine. Yeah. Nothing was marred by weather. No, we'll we'll take it. <laughs> Bold prediction one, correct. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I I, I got to be honest. I was I was a little bit nervous uh, going into this weekend because it's been so long without any competitive action. It kind of felt like my first my first game day all over again. I was like, oh my god, what if I'm shit again? What if I what if it's like a what if it's like my first ever game day and. Uh, but yeah, it soon well, settled down. I felt exactly the same, Lewis. But I was terrible in that <laughs> first game. We'll, we'll cover that later. I, I was worried I was going to be terrible for the week leading up to it, and and I was. So <laughs> yeah, I got pu- I got pulled aside at the start before our games, and someone just went, "Are you nervous?" And I went, "Yeah, little bit, little bit," because you're just not played in so long. It just feels yeah. so unfamiliar, and you're not in a routine. Um, but yeah, what what a way to come back. Absolutely. Let's uh, let's get into these games then. So uh, we're going to start as we did last week with the the Chichester home game day. Um, and I believe the first first game of the day was that um, Western Cheltenham. It was indeed. Uh, so we were on. We we had to change pitch fairly sort of last minute, and the council put us in what was effectively the uh, the village green, um, small field surrounded by roads and houses. Um, so not a Probably the least private place I've ever played flag football. We had a lot of people stopping by to have a look, which was which was good fun. Always um, good. And at least there was a co-op within easy reach for everyone to get their snacks. So <laughs> that's positive. Um, so yeah, game game day started with uh, Western Supers against Cheltenham Neptunes. And when you've been off competitive flag football for so long, I mean, I don't know if that was the best first half I've ever watched, technically. But it certainly felt like it. Um, it was such a close game in the first half. Uh, the Neptunes went in at half time, twenty to twelve up. Um, we'd had some length of the field touchdown passes from from Justin Thomas, the Cheltenham QB. Uh, Sam Matthews got a pick six, and it was really poised at half time to be a a super exciting second half. Um, and unfortunately. I guess if you're a neutral or or a Western super, uh, it wasn't. And uh, Cheltenham rather ran away with it in the second half. Um, They had, I think, three interceptions. And uh, yeah, 
Justin Thomas was just throwing the ball downfield with uh, reckless abandon um, quite effectively. Uh, and Cheltenham ran out 48-20 winners. Yeah, absolutely ruined my prediction. This was my put an X up against my first bold prediction of a 100-point game. Uh, so I think I had 57-55. Um, Cheltenham got close, but uh, and I had Supers winning that. Um, so double wrong. Um, but yeah, I, I remember you, when you when you messaged us, uh, keeping us up to date on the day with that, that scoreline, I was like, oh man, that looks like a tasty contest. Mm. So uh, Weston were without um, Matt Keyes, at quarterback, and uh, Jacob Matthews wasn't there either. So they were down, I think, two That's, key players yeah, from, from their championship winning side. Um, but take nothing away from Cheltenham. They, they outclassed them on the day. Um, Justin Thomas was as advertised when we, we spoke to, uh, to Ben on one of the previous podcasts. He can, he can throw it the length of the pitch. And uh, he's got the receivers to do that. Um, very dangerous-looking offense in that game. Um, so, are we saying my first bowl prediction was correct then? Because I believe I had the Neptunes beating the Supers, and I, I got a little bit of like, oof. You did by by a by a point. You had twenty twenty six twenty five Neptunes, so I think you can get half a point for uh, for calling the winner. Fantastic, fantastic. That gets me up on the uh, leaderboard straight away then. Um, but yeah, it, it seems to me, Gareth, that it was, it was although the Neptunes performed, because you don't just score 48 points, the Super's probably underwhelmed because of a, a lack of personnel or missing key people then. Um, I think partly that. I think they were, they were perhaps a little bit rusty in, in both games as well. Um, I don't think... I don't think they'd be pleased with how they performed against Cheltenham or, or indeed against us in the second game. So they're still certainly not a team to be overlooked. Um, Sam Matthews is still a very dangerous player and uh, Dan Frost, I think, had, a, had an excellent day. Um, but they certainly missed, I think, Matt at quarterback. I've always thought that Jacob was quite a, a sort of ball hawk at his deep safety position as well so not having when you've got a, a quarterback like Justin who can really launch it not having that deep safety because like he's not uh, you wouldn't think it to look at him but Jacob's pretty quick covering sideline to sideline mm. and uh, and when you when you're up against a quarterback who can just launch it like Justin can I, I imagine I mean, I'm not sure who they who they had playing back there uh, safety. So, so it, it it varied, but for for most of it, it was Gareth Brock, um, who did who did you know uh, certainly against Chichester an admirable job um, in that particular game. I think they they had several people back there, but the Cheltenham offense was so focused at, at putting lots of people deep that with the one high safety, there just mm. uh, I think weren't enough people back there to cover all the options. Yeah, very interesting. I don't think it's uh, anything to to take to read into too much uh, either. With with Western coming off two losses on that weekend, we'll get into the second game in a minute because I think mm-hmm. the 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 year that they two years ago when they won the championship they started they started pretty slow and um, yeah. We'll, I think we'll I think the sorry, Les. Go on. The the main thing that I I took away from this weekend is that. The Cheltenham Neptunes have 
an awful lot of potential, particularly on offence. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the second game in Chichester, which didn't go well for them. Um, and I think there's probably several reasons for that, including sort of, you know, you play your first game, it's against Western. It's kind of your your big, you know, when you've got like a, a semi-final that you feel like you put everything into and you mm-hmm. somehow scrape through it and then you're in a final and you've just got nothing left. It kind of felt a bit like that. Um, but their their offense, I mean, they they've got a quarterback who can throw at the length of the pitch. They've got four very useful receivers. Uh, one in particular, number I think he was number fifteen, Luke Cavallares. I apologise if I've butchered your surname there, but he, and this is this is just shockingly simple analysis on a wide receiver. But he is fast and he can catch. <laughs> um, and tick tick. I know, I know that we can say that about uh, a lot of receivers, but he is genuinely fast, and anything you put in his general direction, he seemed to bring in. And um, when you've got someone who can launch at the length of the pitch, that is a dangerous combination. Absolutely, yeah, I know, I know that. We'll get to that. But I had a very similar game day with Ed. Um, we'll get to the extra game day later. But let's talk about your first game of the day. So Chichester versus Western. Um, so that, I think if you were, if you were a neutral, that would have been a very exciting game to watch. Unfortunately, 35-31 to the Sharks, it looks like it was right down to the wire. Yeah, and it certainly was. As somebody who was on the pitch, it was tense and terrifying and I didn't really enjoy it until Craig Brown sacked, um, the Western QB on the last play to seal the win. And then sort of there was a collective sigh of relief from the Sharks. But um, we started we started really well, um, went two scores ahead and then Western hauled themselves back into the game. Um, 14-13 at halftime, anybody's game. I was terrible, as I mentioned before. Defense, offensively, couldn't seem to get anything going defensively all over the place um thankfully some of the people around me uh sort of uh, had my back um but uh, second half we were throwing into the wind um and that caused its own set of problems because the wind was horrendous um and uh western scored uh, with about i want to say maybe 23 seconds left to take the lead um, and somehow in what seemed to be the longest 23 seconds ever the Sharks were able to to drive down the field and uh, Will Quigley got the the winning score um, and didn't give Weston enough time to to come back but it did uh, it turned into a bit of a shootout that one so that so so they actually took the lead at one point then they took the lead at several points um it was it was a pretty back and forth game in the second half i think uh, the lead must have changed hands four or five times in the second half and, and was the supers offense then better in that second game do you think than the first game they played yes yeah i th- i think so um neil threw a, a couple of picks when he was throwing into the wind that he he wasn't happy with um and uh, I think really the whole game came down to probably two standout players who were just playing above and beyond everybody else. And that was Shorty for the Sharks, um, who had three interceptions. 
Um, he had four, and that was a pick six, but it was called back for an impeding the blitzer. Um, so I, we, we almost had the, the two pick sixes that uh, we th- I thought he might get against Weston in the bold predictions, but he had three interceptions, so we'll, we'll take that. Um, and for Weston, Dan Frost just had... He had a fantastic game. He, uh, I don't think Corey will mind me saying, but he pretty much shut Corey down on that side of the pitch. Um, he had two interceptions, and I was covering him when he was on offense. And he had three catches the, against me. The first two, I had a hand on the ball, and he still pulled the catch in. Mm. And the third one, I rather illegally grabbed his wrist and tried to <laughs> wrench it away from the ball, and he still caught the damn thing. Um, just, just felt there was nothing I could do against him. Like if the ball came to him, he caught it. Whatever I did, um, but yeah, between the two of them, they they were both fantastic. Um, and thankfully, we just about had enough uh, enough calm perseverance to sneak it at the end. So I think we uh, we all we all called this one in terms of correctly in terms of winner and we all had it quite close as well. So I've got it written down. Jay, you had thirty one twenty three, so that's not bad. That's uh, pretty good. I'll tell you that. I think Gareth gets the closest with uh, he called the Sharks getting thirty five points. Thirty five twenty was your prediction. Uh, I expected it fully to be a shootout at forty five forty two. Um, but yeah, given recent uh, recent results and things that we've learned over the over the lockdown about these two teams, we all expected it to be pretty close, uh, and it looks like it didn't disappoint. No, like I said, I think if if you were a, a neutral, it would have been a great game to watch for anybody watching who had any sort of connection with either of the two teams. It probably wasn't quite as enjoyable. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was a, a good game for the neutral, and and there were a few a few good performances. I also thought number eighty for the supers was a very good physical player. I believe his name is is Mike Hansford, but if if I've got your name wrong, I I apologise. He's he's one he's somebody I've not seen for them before, and he's one of those physical players that you you really hate playing against, but you'd love to have them on your team. Um, you know, he was catching contested catches he was um you know moving people out the way of the ball um in a in a mostly legal way it must be said but um yeah he had it he had a good game as well so final game of the day uh the two undefeated teams so far chichester and cheltenham go head to head with the two uh two score lines previously one might have expected this to have been closer than it was shall we say well, we, we certainly did. And as, as bad as we felt we played against the Sharks, we everything just clicked against the Neptunes. Everything went as well as we thought and hoped it would. Um, the offence started moving. Neil just sort of left the, the Supers game behind and was throwing dimes all the first half. Um, we, were, we were 48-6 up at half-time. Um, And then, you know, we started moving people around a bit and getting getting some people who had been, you know, on on the bench, a bit more time on the pitch. Um, Justin, as good as he was in the first game, he he threw quite a few, well, he threw a lot of picks in that second game. And I think it came down to 
they they run quite a similar defensive scheme to Western. And with the amount Ben mentioned that they, they practice, you know, just sort of an hour a week, um, I, I assume they've really only practiced against that sort of 3-1. Mm. And we play something different that is, at least we feel, designed to take away the deep options um, and also designed to take away the run. And that was mainly what they did was try and run the ball and try and throw it deep. The intermediate game, I felt, was a bit lacking against us. Um, and anything that did sort of go in the intermediate area seemed to get picked off. Um, some, some fortunately, uh, and some because of bit of bit of lack of accuracy. Um, but they they carried on and they they played the game in in good spirits and they still were hitting you know some some deep shots late into the game. Um, but I mean, it, it was just a case of you know Shorty, Will, myself, and Corey playing like this podcast has predicted that we could play. Yeah. 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 I mean, Shorty and Will were just making everybody miss. Um, I was getting clear over the top. Corey was doing his thing and Neil wasn't missing anybody. And certainly in the first game, you know, his his pass accuracy was probably shy of 50%. Um, But in the second game, it must've been about 80, 90. So it was, that was probably the difference. And I hear, reliably, that uh, a certain Mr. Henderson uh, bagged himself not one but two XPs, I think I read. Yes, so it was a, it was a two-point play. Ah, OK. Um, but uh, he did. He caught a fine catch in, in double coverage. That's heart-in-mouth moment for me because I can just see him getting injured. and <laughs> That's why I don't let him play defence. <laughs> Um, and uh, was was that something that you predetermined before the game, or uh, had, had listening to the podcast on the way down, as you predicted? Uh, uh, unfortunately, him slightly. Unfortunately, Corey was the one who was listening to the podcast on the way to the game, and uh, he he demanded that uh, that we make your prediction come true, or at least have, <laughs> have one attempt at it. Fantastic, um, Corey. I owe you a pint whenever I next see you. Then it's um, a fan- fantastic still if you can pause the video in in the right place um where you can see Corey walking away from the huddle on that play just chuckling to himself because he knows exactly what's coming and I, <laughs> I like i like i like to think that he's thinking of this podcast at that moment <laughs> yeah this is this is for you jay <laughs> many many thanks to uh to lisa turner who was our she's one of our squad members she's she was photographer to, for the day and uh, did an absolutely fantastic job of capturing some of the the video from those games yeah some there's some really good footage and some quality editing as well so uh kudos to your back office team thank you um but yeah for that for that game and and the game day i think that the guy that really stood out was um was will quigley he uh i think he got five touchdowns five receiving touchdowns on the day um he got an interception in that game that he returned for a pick six and uh, you know he was just as frustrated as all of us in the uh, in the first game. But the great thing about Will is that when he gets annoyed, he gets better. Some people get annoyed and they fall apart, but Will takes it upon himself to to go and uh, do some pretty amazing things when he's annoyed. So uh, it worked out well for us in the end. So yeah, I think it's safe to say none of us saw this scoreline coming. Um, we all had we all had the sharks to win, uh, but 
significantly closer. So Jay, you had 37-19. Gareth, you abstained from this one um, and just said sharks in a shootout. I feel I I said this one was the 35-20, and I think I abstained from shark supers. Okay, okay. Oh, maybe I've written them down wrong. Okay. But I think think it's... I'd be interested to see what happens in the... I'm, I'm obviously very interested to see what happens in the rest of the season, but I think there's... There is a serious chance that there are people out there now looking at the seventy-six twenty-two score and thinking, "Oh, good, we'll we'll have the Neptunes." Yeah, and that's it, definitely something that I'm I'm weary of. I'm, and and I think, if, I think if nothing else, the Western game is because um, what was what was that one? That was a bit closer, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, no, that's right. They where they put forty eight on Western. Mm. Um, that for me is enough to say, you know what, this Cheltenham team are not to be sniffed at. Seventy six points is not is not uh, descriptive of them. They are yeah. capable of of running up the score as well on a really good team. They they have they have the potential to particularly on offense to be a very very good team. And if we were doing the power rankings again. I think I had them sixth at the start of the season. I, I can see if, if they fix a couple of things, I can see this team coming third. But this is this is what happens with new teams, right? You can be as talented as you like until you've done, gone through Baffer game day one and sometimes even mm. two and three. Mm. You're not hardened and ready around no. some of the nuances and some of the differences. And also, you know, if they've never seen some of the other teams before, granted, I know they've played you before in um, Outlaw, it can it can shock them, and you get some of these odd score lines. But I think the forty eight points against a, a very good supers team tells you all you need to know. They're clearly talented. They just need maybe two or three more sessions to adjust. Yeah, I think I think that's true. I think that's true. And uh, certainly, if you if you don't cover the deep shot, you're going to have trouble against them. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's uh, let's move on to the second game day, um, and we are in Reading. Um, I think the first game of the day was Reading Berkshire. Am I right in thinking that was game game one? Yeah, it was. So we had the Devils versus the Renegades in the first game, um, and uh, slightly contrary to what I kept on saying about the Renegades, and that I thought they'd gotten a lot better over from game one to game two when we played them in the affiliate process. The score line really didn't flatter them. Um, so the final score for this one was 51-0. Uh, so similar similar sort of margin that Reading put on them in the first game, the first affiliate game, um, and the Renegades failed to score. My, my sort of interpretation of this game was that, and, and granted I was warming up for the second half of it, was that really the Devils' defence had done a lot of homework on what the Renegades liked to run and had scored on previously had psyched themselves up to try and get get a shutout and take away the ball wherever possible and had applied a lot of pressure to a uh, a quite a young and inexperienced quarterback um which which drove a very a very sharp score at one end and, and effectively gave the the reading offense the ball a lot of times and 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 the their offense just was very reliable in scoring it wasn't anything special particularly that they were doing it was just very reliable clockwork. chunk plays clockwork on time um, quite routine. I don't think Reading really had to come out of second gear on offense, particularly to, uh, on against the Renegades, which is no, no disrespect to them. But they had the ball so many times they could be relaxed and and go about their business in a in a calm way. Um, there were a couple of standout plays from from Isaac Harding 
who's one of the receivers uh, for the Devils, and some standout plays from the linebacker for the uh, the Devils, Jake Wilson Crown, would be my picks of that one. Um, I can't remember what I predicted, Lewis. Can you reliably inform me? Uh, you had you had fifty to fifteen, so you're probably the closest on the Devils score, but uh, you're the furthest away on the on the Renegade score. Yeah, yeah, and and that's probably me understating how good that defense really is. Um, mm. Yeah, the, the Devils' defense for me were the, the stars of the day, and we'll we'll come on to that later. Um, so yeah, I think we all got that one right, didn't we? We all got we all got the uh, the prediction for the winner right. So you had fifty to fifteen. Uh, Gareth predicted forty-two six, and I had fifty-five six. Uh, so, like I say, you were you were closest with fifty, um, but uh, Gareth and I couldn't bring ourselves to, uh, to put up a, a duck egg for the Renegades. It's a good it's a good Reading defense, and yeah. it, it has been for for several years. Um, and think... when you're a new team, that's a that's a struggle. I think in my heart of hearts, I probably am not surprised by this and probably kind of saw this come in. I think, uh, I can't remember what the scores were for the affiliate games, but I can imagine Reading, even on defence, weren't necessarily coming out of second gear um, and and maybe rotating quite a few people in, which uh, probably led to the Renegades um, getting a few of those scores in. And then when it comes to Baffer and it's, you know, business time, uh, they're not going to... And, you know, this stuff counts, points difference and all that. Um, I don't think I'm really surprised that Reading were able to pitch a shutout. It was a very focused Reading team, would be yeah. my, my conclusion on it. And uh, they're very, very well drilled in what they were doing. And they had absolute focus and understanding of what Berkshire were going to pose. And uh, they didn't let them have an inch. So on to game two. Was this the this comeback? Was devil... This was Devils Kings. Um, this was the the home the, the homecoming for Mr. Balamy. Yes, it was, and uh, yeah, I, I, I am, I am one of these people that will finds it hard to uh, an, analyze games with this type of scoreline. I came away from the game feeling quite disappointed. You look back on the scoreline and go twenty six twenty two for the first game in Baffa, and you go, oh, that's actually quite good. Um, I thought our defence played quite well in terms of the Kings. Um, there were some good performances from, from Sam Hemingsley. There were some good performances from from Pete. Um, that, that Devils offence is still very good and it's still got a, a, a sneaky ability to find people over the top and underneath wherever it needs to. Um, and on offence, we I think we went three for five on drives. So we weren't, we were fairly okay. I think I missed a couple of throws. Um, I would have liked to have been more accurate, but I think I probably experienced a similar thing to Neil in that it was that first game back. You're still trying to get your head around reading defences that you've not mm. seen for so long. Um, and also, let's be honest, I'm playing against my old team. I'm a, I am probably a little bit more tense as a result. So, uh, yeah, I'd like. it's one of those games I'd like to have back, but I know everybody on the Kings is quite satisfied with the with mm. what the result shows about how good we can be. Um, so, yeah, positive, positive from that end. But again, a very, very disciplined and focused Devils team. Um, I think from I think... an from an outside perspective, twenty six twenty two is is a very impressive scoreline yeah. for the Kings. I mean, as as the Sharks, if if we'd come away having lost twenty six twenty two to Reading, 
I'd be obviously disappointed as you are, but I'd look at it and go, oh, yeah, they're, they're a good team within four points of them. That's, you know, it's a respectable score by for anybody in this division, frankly. Absolutely. And, and it kind of it shocked me as well. I, I definitely thought um, kudos to your defence more than anything. I think mm. I know I know that that King's offence is, uh, especially with you at the helm, uh, is capable of putting up points. Um, but I think I would have expected Reading to have put up more than 26. Um, so, yeah, kudos to your defence. That's keeping them to 26, I think, is is quite a, quite a feat. I remember our, our first year, the, the Falcons, we'd, the first game we, we beat Plymouth um, quite convincingly and our second game of the day was against Cardiff Hurricanes and it was the year that they would go on to win their first national championship, I believe. Um, so that's the kind of team we're dealing with. Uh, and we, I mean, we didn't score on offense, but I was really impressed with our defense that we were able to hold them to 27. This was, you know, Cardiff Hurricanes. They, they, they'd put 72 on us in the, in the, in the Southwest series. Um, and we managed to hold them when it mattered to 27 points. And I think that's a similar thing that your defense can take away. 26 points out of the red in offense. I'd, I'd take that as a, as a new team. And I think to be, to be within to, to finish a game within a score of any team, you know, mm. you, you know that it, weird things can happen in flag football, and on another day you might have got that extra touchdown. You know, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a pretty impressive score for the for the Kings, to be honest. I, the I com- think anyway. the competitor in anyone, and I, I think you're you're similar to me in this, uh, Jay, is that you you will feel a pang of disappointment because you know that. There's one pass, for example, in your, that you'll keep playing over in your mind. Think, oh, if I just if I'd been a bit more accurate with that, maybe that could have led to a touchdown and we'd have won it. And you know, it's, it's four points, and it's you were so close. Yeah, and and I, with these one-score games, it, it makes a difference to me to know who had the ball last. So, the Devils had the ball last and elected to run the clock out using handoffs, etc., rather than attack. So. Say the Devils go down the field and score. Not that that's necessarily a guarantee, but it could have it could have changed the scoreline ever so slightly. But they were incredibly complimentary after the game of our ability, which I was pleased with because I didn't want to show up and and look silly. Um, but also the fact that they respected us enough to to run the ball out rather than try and attack, which would be quite a quite a, a an arrogant thing to do against a mm. new team. But you can absolutely understand why you might do it. Um, showed a bit of respect, which I quite I quite like. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was a it was a good um, it was a good first fixture. Uh, as you said, Lewis, I'm I'm a competitive person, and and so is a lot of our team. So there's there's a little bit of uh, wanting some of it back. But um, yeah, two extra points, two two extra point plays, and you'd be level. And we did miss a couple of extra points, so definitely some learning points from the game. Yeah, and, and that's all you can ask for when you're a new team. I think it's a it's a really good platform for the Kings to 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 go off of. That's a really good foundation. I think the fact that you were so close and there was only four points in it, it's a one score game. I think that'll serve you well in the future. Um, you know, that's going to light a fire under some people and just you know, the nothing nothing beats your first loss when you think how close you were to winning. You know, that can really. Uh, spark the competitive nature in some people, and you just you know determine not to let it happen again. Essentially, yeah, uh, I'm I'm hoping inside that uh, yeah we get some people going right. I don't like losing, and suddenly yeah. you get a lot more focus towards it. 
Yeah, exactly. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. When you when you've never played a game before, some of you guys never played completely new to the game, don't know what it feels like to lose such a close game. Then I can, you know, I never want to feel that again. I'm going to make sure that I get better and train in and uh, never let that happen again. Which I think you did in the very next game. Uh, putting up 43 points on, on Berkshire Renegades. Uh, maybe letting off some frustration there? Um, yeah, a bit of the opposite, to be honest, Lewis. And and Craig would, uh, would have my head if I wasn't very honest about the performance. I don't think I played particularly well in this game. So... First couple of drives, I think we were we were 14-0 down after two drives. Um, Berkshire changed their defence ever so slightly to go into effectively a non-blitz man look, uh, which threw us completely, or threw me completely anyway, because if you know we've only had four weeks to prepare for Baffer game day one, we've not covered that that type of scenario. So uh, yeah, we were we were very much backs up against the wall after the first couple of drives. Um, but what it did show with the team was we have a good set of character um, and we don't uh, we don't go down easy, which I was really pleased to see. The 43 points probably flattered us ever so slightly. We did a lot of tactical uh, two points to try and catch the score up because we were conscious of the, the clock. But um, yeah, at full price of the Renegades, they, they played a good and clever game in terms of strategy. They found one or two players on offense that worked for them. Their young QB figured out that um, if he rolled left and right, he could he could extend a bit of play against our blitzer and and buy himself the extra second to throw a ball over the top. Um, so yeah, the forty three thirty six. I I think probably we made it harder on ourselves than we needed to be, and that's no disrespect to Berkshire because I did think they played well, but there were some obvious things we could have done better with. Um, but the key takeaway for me was we we had we showed good character in coming back and uh, and securing a, a good win, which we secured with a goal line stand and a pick from Pete. So uh, I was really pleased with that. Uh, everybody loves a, a walk off pick to finish the game. Yeah, I mean you stood on you stood on the sideline going right. We're going to have about fifty seconds here, and the game's going to be tied up. So you're starting to play it in offense, and all of that stress just goes from you because the the pick happens. And you just go, oh, thank God! Now we can just kneel it out, and we don't have to we don't have to try. And, and, and try and put something together in a in a small window. Um so it was a yeah, moment of relief really. And and kudos to Berkshire as well, coming back from from a, a fifty one zip hammering, um, to put it lightly, to then, you know, shrug that off and and it's a it's a one score game against Kainsham. A Kainsham team who we've just as we've just mentioned, you know, managed to run the Reading Devils who are, I think we all agreed are in the top three of the conversation for the division. Yep. Um, and and so Kainsham did very well there and Berkshire managed to keep Kainsham, uh, you know, within a score. So I think, yeah, character is definitely the word of the day, I think, um, for for this game day. Um, and having the character to to bounce back after that first game and, and run you guys close. I think that's, uh, yeah, kudos to them. I don't, I don't know exactly what the score was at halftime, but I've got a feeling it was something like twenty-one to six to Berkshire. Um, wow! So you've got, you've got, a, you've got a picture of what we were dealing with there. So it was a good set of adjustments from um, from Craig and Dylan really to to flip it on its head, and we had a we had a dedicated approach to what we were doing in the second half, and we were we were better for it um, once we all sort of calmed down and realised we were in a dogfight. Um, so yeah, like I say, good character shown from the team and good coaching. Yeah, that sounds like an exciting game day to be at. 
Yeah, absolutely. And um, just to follow Gareth's sort of suit, I'll pick a few names out of a hat for, for people that I thought stood out throughout the day. So my number one pick is absolutely Isaac Harding from the Devils. Um, receiver and also played a bit of corner for them. Just seemed to be all over the place making catches he had no business making. Um, I think Jake, uh, Jake Wilson Crown, the linebacker for the Devils, had an absolutely outstanding game. Um, it basically just tackled everything that moved. And uh, in terms of, I don't, I, I don't want to be too selfish and pick out some kings, but I'll pick a couple of them. Charlie Roberts and uh, Trell Hurst played outstandingly on offense as well. Um, and I could shout out to the whole Kings defense because they played it outstandingly as well. There we go. So moving on to the last game of the day, um, we're in Exeter and uh, we're going to kick off with uh, Falcon it was Falcon Bowl to start the day. Yeah, so um, this was as I, as fully as I expected a close game. We knew each other very well. Um, to be honest, I was I was so focused in on this game, I can barely remember it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell you what the score was at halftime. I think I think maybe Falcons Black. I think we were up um, by like an extra point, maybe. That's about it. It was that close at halftime. Um, it was. It was a rocky start. There was some, some I think we're, we're both very competitive. We've been competing a lot in practice. Um, and in practice, of course, we always say, you know, we're one team and, um, you know, we, we're not we're not here to compete now. We're here to just get better at practice. And I think all of that kind of came out then when it was, <laughs> you know, we got on the field and it was just like, well, now we are competing. Now it matters. Um, but yeah, I mean, Falcons Green played really well. Um, they knew exactly what we were, what we were up to, what we were about, what we were trying to do. Um, I think it uh, ultimately came down to um, it came down to a sack. I think a sack safety um, in the sort of fourth quarter of the game. Uh, rookie Callum Twine uh, sacked Ethan. I didn't even realise it was safety. To be honest, I thought Ethan was out of the end zone, but I didn't really get a good look at it. I was probably looking at my wrist coach. Um, I didn't even realize that I was, I was due on the field. Uh, I saw the sack and was like, oh yeah, well done. Went looking at my wrist coach and then my offense started walking on the field and they were like, Lou, 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 come on, we're on. (laughs) Um, uh, but yeah, I think, uh, if I remember rightly, this, this game, uh, Ed was probably, um, my go-to guy, um, and did a lot of work. I think he scored all three touchdowns. Um, we only got the one extra point, I think, which went to to Alex. Um, but that's where these kind of uh, stat sheets that we have, score sheets that we have in Baffer, kind of don't tell the full story because um, Susie was a workhorse. Um, and for me, I think that it's mentally it's always the toughest thing for me is always just getting my back from my own end zone. Once I'm once I've got a couple of yards off off my own end zone, I'm much more relaxed. Um, but, uh, so, so she was really helpful in that kind of sense of getting us, getting our backs off the wall. And then, uh, the, the, the stats don't really, um, don't really tell the story of Ed's, Ed's older brother, Alex as well, who I think had a couple of touchdowns stolen from him on the day because he would go the length of the field and then Ed would punch it in from two yards. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, shout out to Alex as well, who as a rookie had a really good game and, um, and kept me, it was a safe option, sort of uh, made some contested catches that got us out of some trouble and kept the chains moving. Um, 
but I'd also can't go without mentioning for Falcons Green, um, Patrick Smith, who was voted uh, the MVP for the Greens on the day. Just an absolute nuisance on on defense, and and he was in, in the later game as well. Just harasses quarterbacks and is so fast. He was on you in a flash. Um, and yeah, he was a nightmare for me and, and kept me on my toes. So yeah, that was a really good game. Um, really close, as expected. It's a very, very tough game, isn't it, when you play someone you literally train with because you get funny things that happen that you wouldn't normally expect, like safeties and mm. and, and, and like you, it's the sort of game where you'd almost expect a two-point return because they just know exactly what you're going to run on goal line and they jump it. Um so oh, and they, it, they absolutely it, it, did. That exact exact example almost did happen. We have a you know a, a couple of go-to favorite goal line plays, and they absolutely knew what was coming and jumped it. And Paul, I think, intercepted it um, and returned it, but I didn't 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 take it all the way. Unfortunately, I managed to tag him for that. Um, but you know, <laughs> that that exact example you just used, it happened. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not the type of game where you can go into it with a game plan and something in your back pocket that you practiced just for that week. You are literally turning up with everything that they've got. Um, so it comes down to which players can execute it better. Mm. So it, it was always going to be close, and I'm I'm sort of glad that it was, and it and it shows that uh, it shows that coaching works, eh, Lewis? Yeah, absolutely. And and there's um, there's a couple of things that I'll, I'll be working with Ethan on uh, in practice just to sort of polish up. Um, but on the whole, I think they they played really well. And um, you I'm can excited stop sabotaging I... him now. You <laughs> don't have to play him again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited to see how they do because I mean their their defense played really well. Will um, sort of patrols the back the back end of the defense and like say Patrick harasses quarterbacks all day long so they I think their defense is gonna be really tough um and Ethan's got a couple of couple of things he needs to polish up on um but that that offense largely is stacked full of talent and shout out as well to to Matt Jackson who's a rookie um rookie center uh proved himself to be a reliable set of hands um and a, a sort of safety option and and it was evident that Ethan was really comfortable with him and and relied on him and, and trusted him. So, um, and that's kind of important with our with our playbook and to have that kind of trust in your center and have someone that you can just sort of rely on when when the going gets tough. So yeah, well done on your first game day, Matt. And then your next game was Falcons Black versus the Isle of Wight, wasn't it? It was, and this was a weird game. Um, did it start raining? Oh, maybe, maybe it did. Uh, I can't. I don't know. The, the, it kind of tried a couple of times on the day to start raining, um, so it's it's tough to say exactly when it did start raining. But um, they they actually shot off to a, a two score lead straight up. Um, I did something that I don't usually do uh, when when I win the coin toss, which is. Um, Oh no, no, I did that in the first game. We were talking about, um, you know, when you when you do something different because you play play a team that you know. So uh, for the first game, I changed my coin toss call, um, and uh, my my opening drive, which is usually the first, the same two or three plays every opening drive, uh, just completely flipped it, and I was like, "You won't see this coming." Um, but went went back to uh, back to form. 
I think White had the ball first and they scored. And then our first drive was just a comedy of errors. Um, we were so off rhythm and off schedule. There was, uh, there may have been, there was a couple of penalties on that drive. Shout out to, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I don't know most of the Isle of Wight players, um, but the guy they started the day blitzing with, number seven, I think he was, um, he was a nightmare. Uh, he was tall. He was pretty quick. Um, he broke down really well and he would like snatch multiple times at your flags. And it was a couple of times that, um, that he sacked me on that first drive. So that first drive was totally off rhythm. Um, and then ended up going four and out. Uh, and then they went and scored again. Um, and we managed to get back in the game, uh, on the second drive, uh, there was those first three drives were really quite um i don't want to say aggressive but there was a lot of like arguing about calls and contact and who has right of way and who has right of place and things like that i mean what's a baffer game day without that <laughs> it, it does oh add, yeah it does add a, a level of I, I, i'm going to use the term bitchiness <laughs> um, <laughs> But no other competition, you know, you, you don't get it in fr- so much in friendlies or even in, in outlaw, I find. But when it comes to a Baffer game day, everybody's prepared to have an argument about any refereeing decision. 100%. And I, and I know it happened in Reading and I'm almost certain it happened down in Chichester as well. Oh, it certainly did. Uh, we, we were less than well behaved. <laughs> I think I think um, I think the Reading made a point of uh, just arguing with every call that happened on on both games, just for the sake of doing it, because they thought it'd be funny. Um, yeah, it's, it's almost part and parcel of Baffer game days, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You, everybody's well, friends afterwards. It's fine. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, during the game, you absolutely just want to kill each other. Yeah, <laughs> and and I'm I'm gonna I'll, we'll get to it in a minute, but um, I just want to put my uh, um public apology out to, to Ben Ballard, um, who was pro- uh, of the Isle of Wight Hellhounds, uh, who was probably uh, at the centre of most of the rule um, contention. Um, so yeah, him and him and Ed in particular came a cropper a couple of times and we went back out on that second offensive drive and Ed was just spitting bullets. He was not happy. Um, and if you if you know if you know the Falcons at all, it's almost almost always the other way around. Ed is cool, calm, collected, quiet, and he just does his job and he gets on with it. And I am the one that is shouting and screaming at referees and calling people all the names under the sun. So uh, we went onto the pitch and uh, on our, on that offensive drive, and I was like, "What's going on? This is weird. You're angry and I'm calm. This isn't right." Um, and I was just like, "Right, sod this." And I just sent Ed on a go route and threw a deep ball, which he caught two yards short of the end zone and, and, and basically his momentum carried him in. And I was like, right, you happy now? You calm down? You got a touchdown. Well done. Can we get on with it? <laughs> and that, from, from then on, he was, he was just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and for me, that was a big, that was a big, um, a big drive. Cause we did like a couple of, uh, we started off as I like to just get get our backs off the wall and, and get away from our own end zone and and those plays worked which they hadn't done in the first drive so we were on schedule we were on rhythm everything felt good and then we hit that deep bomb uh, and Ed scored the touchdown and for me mentally that was like see 
you can score against this defense. Now go out and do it next time as well. Uh, and it kind of yeah it's snowballed from there then. Um, and how were the Isle of, and how were the Isle of Wight then in general? What what sort of team did they manage to bring? I, I appreciate it was probably a long journey. Think, yeah, a long journey for them. I think they had eight in total. Um, so yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of playing both ways for a lot of them. Um, as I said, that number seven was a really good blitzer. If I'm honest, I'm not sure why they switched. Uh, I think from the second, maybe the third drive onwards. Uh, I think it was somebody else might have been Ben Ballard that was blitzing me. Um, and, and I don't think he had quite the same impact. Um, the the first guy really harassed me, um, but I got the feeling that 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 number seven was kind of like their playmaker, um, and perhaps they wanted wanted him more in the backfield. Um, but he certainly gave me a bit more um, a bit more trouble. Uh, but yeah, definitely improved. I mean, Jack Jack's as good as ever. He's got a, a laser for an arm. I still don't understand why. He, he kneels down and looks between the centre's legs when he's uh, when he's taking the ball. I still think that's quite funny, um, but it works for him. And that, yeah, they were able to move the ball and um, and they they made some plays. Um, but I think once we once we kind of found our rhythm, uh, that was all she wrote. Very good. And then onto your into your green team. Playing the Isle of Wight, then similar story or something so, different? No, this was a great game. This was so close, um, and and really came down. It literally, I mean, both both games actually came down to the last last play of the game. There's a, there's a great bit of footage um, of the Isle of Wight on basically knocking on our goal line, uh, and they I think they're inside the five. It's fourth down, and it's basically the last play of the game, um, and they tried a, a sort of little hook to the center and just from out of nowhere ed stretches from his basically cornerback position i think well he was even think he was playing safety so we came down sort of the slot seam area and then dived infield uh, and must have got a nail not even a fingertip just a nail to the ball uh, and managed to to knock it away and my heart was in my throat because i thought i'm going to get the ball back here they're going to be up and I've probably got maybe 20 seconds to score a touchdown. Um, so it was, it was that close and yeah, probably play the game, even though we had, he had you know, the long deep ball touchdown pass and, and whatnot. And he had, there was a play where I just sort of did a little shovel pass to him. Um, and he managed to juke the entire team for a touchdown. That was the play of the game because that saved the game for us. You know, if they'd caught that, uh, they, they would have been up. Um, and the the second game against the Greens was it was a similar story. It was pretty. I can't I can't remember exactly what the score was at halftime, but um, it came down to uh, came down to the last play of the game again. And and again, Ethan made some really good plays. Uh, he was a little slow on some reads, and 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 let made you know plays were made uh, a little more difficult than others. And that plays were made a little more difficult than they could have been. Um, again, I thought I thought the defense played really, really well, um, and uh, but yeah, it really came down to the the last playoff. <laughs> this is this is where my my apology to to Ben Ballard comes in because uh, as we were saying about everyone has a you know a bit of a bit of a jibe and a bit of a a, a baffer rules thing. We had um, our young lad. Oh no, this was in this was in the first game. Our young lad Jake. Um, 
uh, rookie lad safety got three touchdowns on the day, um, and there was I don't know some, some 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 three picks on the day. There was some dubious non call that Ben wasn't happy about, um, and I uh, I didn't want Jake feeling um, you know disheartened or that he did the wrong thing because I thought it was a fine play. He didn't pick it; he just batted it away, but sort of came over the top of Ben. Um, not sure if there was or how much contact there was, but Ben certainly seemed to think there was. Uh, to which, so I didn't want him feeling disheartened that that Ben was saying he did something wrong. So I just shouted onto the pitch that it was perfect coverage and textbook and exactly how you draw it up and you know exactly how I taught him how to do it. Uh, so <laughs> just to give him some some encouragement. And um, so yeah, sorry Ben, please come play flag and ball Z for me. <laughs> so so then after the weekend then. The table sort of looks like this. So we've got the Sharks, the Devils, and the Falcons. I presume that's Falcons Black, all sat yeah. on two wins, um, yeah. and that's the order they're in: one, two, three, based on uh, points scored. You've got Canesham, Exeter Green, and Cheltenham with one win each, so fourth, fifth, and sixth. And then at the bottom, with with no wins at all, you've got the Isle of Wight, the Western Supers, and the Berkshire Renegades. Now, if you told me after week one you'd end up with Western Supers down in eighth, regardless of the fixture list, I would have been shocked. Yeah. I Yeah, I told you you were full of shit. They won't yeah. finish there. No, they no, won't finish no, there, no, will they? And, and arguably, they've had, I think it probably was the most competitive game day in terms of top-end teams. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that table changes over time. Um, personally, if you told me that uh, Canesham are going to finish fourth at the start of the year, I take it. Um, but there's a lot of flag to be played in between now and then. Absolutely. I'd also just mention um, from that just the, to the end of that uh, that Falcons Green and Hellhounds match. Um, one of the one of the most difficult refereeing decisions I think I've ever had to make. Um, again, Isla White knocking on the door and. Uh, Paul Hindle playing safety um, kind of hooks the receiver a little bit, kind of just hooks an arm, turns him around a little bit. Um, we had a, a referee's discussion about it, and I was like, I, I, I had it, it was it was pass interference. I'm sorry, Paul. Um, so it gave um, it gave the Isle of White a first down, automatic first down. Uh, so four more tries on the goal line, um, and then on on the ensuing play, uh, Paul absolute redemption story uh picks it off in the front corner um and and saves the game for him so he uh he redeemed himself it's never easy being being the ref and i mean no. you you you're refereeing with with two teams there who are at the moment at least just used to refing themselves in practice mm. They'll be reffing at one point on the game day. Everybody wants to have a bit of an argument about rules. And it's, you know, it's so good, I think, that we have a league where most of the time, um, you know, you get past the game. And even, even if you're not happy with the way the reffing's gone, everybody gets on. Um, but I would like to give a bit of a shout out to to Western Supers. They obviously refereed the match between um, ourselves and Cheltenham. I thought it was it was one of the best refing performances I've seen. It was there wasn't a huge amount of controversy in the game, but everything was all explanations were delivered clearly. Everybody understood what was expected. 
Um, and that just that made for a, a, a pretty calm and enjoyable environment. I mean, more enjoyable for us, probably. But <laughs> I'm pretty confident I made the right call, and I'm all the more relieved. I say, I say, I we as a as a refing team, the four of us uh, got together and discussed it and, and agreed it. Uh, and and I am all the more relieved that Paul was able to redeem himself and and uh, and just, yeah, get that pick at the end. It's one of the first Baffer game days I've not had to ref because, for once, I'm not in charge. So, uh, <laughs> quite enjoyed relaxing, lads, to be honest, more than anything. I was really excited because I bought myself a COVID-friendly whistle. Uh, us too, yeah. Have you, you seen those? It's like a little like a little hand torch thing, isn't it? And it's just got a little button on it and three, um, three different sort of whistle tones. I was very excited to use it. What will they think of next? A COVID-friendly whistle. <laughs> That's that's not what it's billed as. Uh, I think it's I think it's a Fox Forty. I think is what it's called. Uh, just yeah, just a very sensible thing to have. Yeah, it is. It's pretty pretty handy bit of kit. Um, it's just yeah, it's just a little button that blows a whistle, so you don't have to put it to your mouth. I was very excited by it. I'm just looking on League Republic now, and I'm sure it's not true. Apparently, I'm leading the way in um, passing touchdowns. Uh, I think Neil's probably just not put his stats down there, has he? Yeah, I don't think the stats are in for that game. Yeah, no, because he's, he's he's thrown ten in one game there, essentially, isn't he? If he's, if, if he's thrown seventy-six points, so uh, yeah, yes. Doesn't I, prob- look doesn't look like the Sharks are putting any of their stats. Come on, Gareth. Yeah, I, over, Gareth. I don't know if we did in 2019. I don't know if we put stats on League Republic. Uh, you're but... probably right. We haven't got a logo on there either, but I, I shall have words with Neil. Neil, I'm yeah, having words if, with you. If we start, you know, we, as a podcast, we can drive this culture, and I think we should drive a good culture of having good stats in the league because it's it's always fun to see who the leaders are and who mm. the good performers are because you, you end up finding out good names that way um, that actually yeah. go unsung throughout the day. But if they score three touchdowns every single game day, it's kind of like, well, actually, they're they're quite influential. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't he hasn't got round yet to putting the new stats up on our website, so maybe he's waiting to do it all at once. Oh, shocking performance! From It'll Neil. be I'll I'll be I'll be eager to see because you said was it uh, was it Will you said had three interceptions on the day? Uh, no, uh, Shorty, had, Shorty three. had three. I had three. Will had one, but he he was the only one to successfully return it to a t- for a touchdown. <laughs> so I've yeah, st- I mean, still never done that the... in a Baffer game. With with the stats that are on uh, on Relief Republic at the minute, our our Jake Tiller, our rookie Jake, is in some pretty good company. Then with Shorty and Gareth leading the league in interceptions, all with three. And apparently, Lewis, you were sacked five times. Uh, that doesn't surprise me. I think I was probably <laughs> sacked three times by Patrick. He was an absolute nuisance. My stats must not be there for that, so I'll take that. That's good. Fantastic. <laughs> so in terms of bold predictions then, guys, I got my Neil one correct. I got my whole well throwing a pick to me wrong, and that's all Dylan's fault, because he didn't put me on defence. <laughs> um, I, I knew I knew that's what it would be. I knew you wouldn't play any defence. Um, yeah, I was. Uh, I did have a standing deal with him that if, if either of the games were a blowout, I would uh, I would get to go on. But um, yeah, as you can so see... So what you're telling well. me is, is every single preview show we're going to do, that you're, you're just always going to have that prediction... Yes, yes I am. Okay, so when we do bold <laughs> predictions next time, I'll just assume that you get an interception is one of your bold predictions, and then you can make another one like Neil Henderson makes an extra extra point. Well, yeah, I think I'm I'm exclusively going to do sharks bold predictions from now on, considering they uh, <laughs> they like to take up the mantle and actually uh, execute on them. So uh... don't encourage them. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I think my bold predictions were were both incorrect. I think I had uh, whoever won the Falcon Bowl will be top, and that was based mainly around you know not having seen hide nor hair of Isle of Wight for several years. I, I didn't expect them to get many people all the way across to Exeter. Clearly, they did, and clearly they performed well. So uh, yeah, I'm I, glad I don't to think, see that. I don't think I've given enough credit to the Isle of Wight Hellhounds. Um, They've they've definitely improved on on 2019. Uh, Jack is as good as ever, as I said, and they've got um, at least two guys. I can't number seven was definitely one of them, and I can't remember what number the other guy wore uh, or don't know any names. Um, but they were both very good, um, and yeah, they've got some weapons there, and and they've definitely improved. So I don't think they. I think they might they might surprise a couple of teams and and put themselves in contention. Um, in some closer games this season. And then uh, my second one was that Shorty would get two pick sixes on the weekend, which wasn't bold enough, so we made it in one game. And that wasn't bold enough, so we made it against Weston. Um, he got three picks in that match, but uh, was lazy and didn't return any for a pick six. <sighs> lazy performance from Shorty. That's mm. all I've written down there. Mm. And you, also if... had, you also had Sunny all weekend, which we're giving you half a point for. Excellent. Was, I'll take it. It. Was, it was fine. Sunny's a bit of a stretch. I'll just take not raining. Uh, my 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 bull prediction was that the Western Cheltenham game would add up to a hundred points, uh, which it evidently did not. Um, was how many how many points short was I? Because it was like forty eight. You'd um, have been close on the Sharks Neptune game. Six, yeah, 68 yeah. points were scored in Neptune uh, Supers yeah. and nine, 98 were scored in yeah. Sharks Neptune. <sighs> Which would have been the highest scoring game of the weekend, I think, looking at them. So, yeah, uh, I think that, that pretty much covers it all. So we also we also did Game of the Week. Um, Supers Sharks were Gareth and I's picks, um, which I think is probably... I, I mean, I obviously wasn't there, so I'm not sure... Uh, I think if you if you'd been there, it, you would have been excited by the back and forth nature of it. But mm. you you might have been a little bit disappointed by two quality teams not really playing much quality football. <laughs> and and Jay obviously picked Kings Devil. So I think between us, we probably got we probably called. I think it's probably got to be between one of those two games for the game of the game of the week, um, Reading Kingsham or Super Sharks. Um, what do you guys think? Nothing else jumps out at me as being a, uh, looking as particularly more exciting. I, I would have liked to have seen Falcons Bowl. I think that would have been a good spectacle, just for the sake of two teams <laughs> knowing exactly what the other one wants to do. And um, the heckling. There'd have been a lot yeah. of heckling. There'd have been a lot of chat. Um, but yeah, I think we did a fairly decent job of picking up the uh, the the close games from the weekend. All right, so um, we won't go into it now, obviously, but let's just take a quick look at what um, what week two has in store for us. Uh, I believe. I can tell you the big game of week two already. <laughs> is is it Reading Chichester? It's Reading Chichester on the Isle of Wight. Oh, yeah. that's a classic fixture. Yeah, that's, that's happened before. <laughs> I like that. Please tell me somewhere someone is streaming that. I might come to the Isle of Wight just to come and see that. <laughs> well, I think you'll be in uh, 
You're in Cheltenham, Cheltenham. I think. Yeah. yeah. So you couldn't be further away in the SWC. We've got we've got your green team, Lewis, and uh, we've got the Neptunes on that day, I believe. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. So uh, in Cheltenham, it's Cheltenham versus Greens, Canesham versus Greens, and Cheltenham versus Canesham, which I think is a pretty tasty day. I think I, I, all I three like, of those teams. I like the sound of Cheltenham Canesham. I think that's going to be a really good game. Mm, me too. I don't particularly like the sound of it because by the sound of it, uh, <laughs> Neptunes are all right. So uh, yeah, uh, I could do without that, to be honest. It's certainly then, they certainly play a style of football that we we haven't seen much of in our leagues in the last few few years. But that's good, isn't it? Because it is. we we, we want Absolutely. another team that does something different, right? Because yeah. if we just yeah. ended up with a shark another sharks team with lots of really good players that just all can't be tackled, that would be a bit boring, wouldn't it? A, a big gunslinging team is uh, mm. yeah brightens it up. Uh, it'll be interesting to see um, perhaps that. Uh, that Falcons Green Cheltenham game will be good as well. I'd like. I, I'd be interested. I'm hoping someone films it because I'm really interested in uh, watching back the film of that and seeing particularly how our defense um, handles that big gunslinging quarterback. And then finally, in Berkshire, uh, host their first Baffer game day with um, my Falcons Black and uh, the Western Supers coming to town. It'll be interesting to see how the Supers respond in game day two after after not taking a win home. I, I wonder if they'll come back quite angry, especially if they've got uh, oh, yes. Mr. Keys back. Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm certainly not uh, letting my guard down. And they've we are still yet to beat the Western Supers ever in friendlies or, um, or in competition. So, uh, yeah, we're definitely out for, for, for the win. Not letting our guard down, despite their their first sort of their first results. All right. Well, I think that about covers it for week one, guys. Yep, I think so. It's uh, it's definitely good to have flag football back, and uh, I almost yes. can't wait for the next one. Yes, Absolutely. it is. Alrighty. Well, thank you for joining me again. It's great to have football back. It's great to be talking football. It's great to be reminiscing about the weekend just gone uh, and, and hearing what you guys get up to. And I think between the three of us, I think we've got three game days covered again, haven't we? We're in all three separate. I believe so. Um, we are. That's some good scheduling, Lewis. I'm, I'm glad you paid such detailed uh, attention to that. Thanks, there'll mate. Be one, there'll be one game day where we're all in the same place. Yeah, there will. Which yeah. would be nice. Yeah. We could have a, we could do a live live show, really, couldn't we? Um, for really we try we'll... hard. <laughs> yeah. We'll, uh, we'll get some... Um... We'll, we'll ask around and we'll get some guests on to, to get some coverage for, for game days that we, we're not at. So, um, yeah, keep your ear to the ground for that, people. Uh, and if you're interested on being on the show, let us know. Um, but for the time being, uh, yeah, have a wonderful week and we'll see you next time. That wraps up this episode. Find us on Facebook at First and 15 Podcast. Give us a like to keep up with all of our shows. Also, check out our sponsor, Nuola, for all your customised sportswear supplies. Yeah.